0: Hello and welcome to another week of Acts of the Blood God. It's Eric here. No cat, no Nadia this week. It's going to be a little different. Uh, we had some stuff come up and neither one of them can make it. But we do have a great show for you either way because we do have the one and only Austin Walker here of Friends of the Table fame to chat about a lot of things. We ended up doing Random Encounters uh, with him and also doing a long chat about Chained Echoes, which I think was overdue for us on Axe of the Blood God. It's a good time, so we're going to put the majority of the pod on that. Just some quick housekeeping before we get there. Our game dev quest about intelligence systems just went live. Uh, it's a fantastic episode, if I do say so myself, looking at the history of one of the, the tactics greats, I would say, and we also are currently working on our Pantheon game, Yakuza Like a Dragon. The Winter of Wick is continuing. Chapter 2 is next up. We are planning recording for that. Charlene Dropouts, shoutouts. Uh, I believe the dungeon tour for the Lost City of Omdapur? Vic is in the Stars of Destiny chat right now and can tell me if I said it wrong. Um, I got it right. Uh, the dungeon guide for that is up mostly I got it mostly right okay (laughs) the dungeon guide is up for that Uh, I highly recommend you go check that out it's a really cool content idea that Vic is working on Uh, I really dig it Uh, and you should go check it out especially if you are a 14 player which I will say we're not doing a what we're playing segment this week but uh, be glad because if Nadia was here I would probably just be talking about 14 the whole time Uh, I have been playing a lot of 14 back to that well we'll talk about that later I imagine I'll still be playing it a week from now but the focus of today's pod is largely on the chat between us and I about the late 2022 RPG Great Chain Echoes, as well as some random encounters and some discussion of tabletop RPG business and other stuff. So please tune in. Please hang out. Have a good time. We'll see you next week for a more normal, regularly scheduled Acts of the Blood God. But here comes the main show. And we are back. We are going to do some Chained Echoes talk here in a moment. But before that, before we even get to random encounters, let me introduce our guest for the episode. The one and only Austin Walker. Austin, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm, You know, my voice is bad for a second there. I was really poorly Mm -hmm. timed to get a Mm -hmm. frog in my throat. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, finally, today is the day I get back to my apartment for more than like, a day uh, uh, after, like holiday travel, mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. like a fun holiday thing with some friends, and then I did like family holiday stuff, and then I did a work trip. Basically, as soon as I got back from that, and then today is the first day I am like back in my own space. Mm. Uh, but we'll talk about this in a minute. But Chain Decos was working me through all that. So <laughs> shout out to the Steam Deck. Ran great oh. on Steam Deck.
0: Oh, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we have that as a touchstone because I do. Partially attribute the success of Chain goes to the Steam Deck specifically.
1: It's the perfect Steam Deck. We can't jump ahead. We should do random right, right. encounters, and then ahead. we'll we'll
0: get there. But uh for the folks at home who may not be familiar with your work, Austin, what are you best known
1: for? I mean, I've basically left behind the world of games media, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. like the the generation. Also, who the hell am I? Like, it you know, it's not like I had a huge, huge following anyway. I, uh, I spent some time at uh, giantbomb.com, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then I founded uh, Waypoint over at Vice, along with folks like Patrick Klepek, and at the time, um, you know, uh, Mike Diver and Danielle Riendo, and, and now obviously lots of other great folks there, like Ren and Cotto and Rob Zachney, and I think Natalie is back in some capacity. Um, uh, and then I also am the um, co-creator and GM of Friends at the Table which is an actual play podcast that's been running for seven plus years now, I think, which is wild. Uh, and uh, I'm also the producer and uh, a, a member of a more civilized age, a uh, star Wars it has been a clone wars podcast. And then Andor happened and we threw all of our fall away uh, to go do Andor instead. Now that it is the winter, we are going back to clone wars, our first clone wars uh, season six episode just hit. Um, so people can go listen to that. A more civilized age. Fantastic! I actually, I'm started in listening. game dev now, I guess that's the I I'm, yeah, I'm at yeah. Possibility Space. I I did the thing. I said I'd <laughs> never do it, and then I got a dream, you know, job uh, uh, offer, and I did it. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, that's that's how that stuff works out. Sometimes is. Is you just it end is. up going different directions. And I did actually start listening to friends at the table because. I am trying to hack Blades in the Dark to make a cyberpunk Edge Runners campaign oh, hell for yeah.
1: myself and a few friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so
0: I was listening to y'all's Blades in the Dark campaign.
1: Uh, that y'all there are did. some, there are some solid cyberpunk Blades mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, things out there. Not, not trying to dissuade you from doing your own hack. You should do your own hack. It is super fun to hack stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, but but take a peek out there and, and see and see uh, if there's anything there that scratches that itch because. You might pick up some, like, shortcuts, you know? I always find when I'm hacking game systems. Oh, yeah. I'm like, who else has had this exact problem before? And mm-hmm. what was their <laughs> solution? I might not agree <laughs> with it, but I might <laughs> learn about what I want based on what I don't like from, from their
0: tabletop decisions but exactly it's it's the same way i learned video production stuff and all that is like you google it and then some like 12 year old youtuber has made a video on it and they're like yo i'm gonna teach you how to do adobe premiere adobe after effects today and i'm like okay small child tell me what you've learned
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely they've usually got it yeah um well thank you for listening to friends of the table we're actually about to start and this is super relevant Ooh. Uh, we're about to start our number whatever season, season eight, uh, uh, which is going to be called Palisade. Uh, it mm-hmm. is the sequel to a show called Partisan, which itself is set inside of a larger sci-fi universe we've been doing for years. But Palisade is – and I think people should listen to Partisan first. But Palisade is using a game called uh, uh, Armor of Stir, which is a fantasy mecha Powered by the Apocalypse game, that is super sick, and that you could totally do a good Chained Echoes uh, campaign Ooh. with, like super Ooh. super easily. You have an airship. Mm. You're, there's like a divide between classes that are mech pilots and classes that are like support uh, characters. My favorite one of my favorite things is like it's trying to emulate like mecha anime as much as it is just be a cool mech game. And so, for instance, your non-pilots uh, have them. So that's like you know an engineer, the ship captain, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, a, a soldier like a scout, they have a move called um, B plot, where because they are not the they are not in in the big co- like combat sequences as much because they're not pilots. They can I'm just going to read this move. When you head out for some solitary revenge, leave to take part in negotiations or otherwise take part in a secondary narrative thread to the players involved in the sortie. You're in the B plot. Name one or two uh, NPCs that accompany you and hold three. During the sortie, you may spend that hold one for one to do the following. Give another player confidence on their next move, but complicate things for yourself. Deny an NPC from appearing in the sortie. They're busy, possibly with the same thing as you. Spend some time and frame a downtime scene. Downtime scenes let you do other types of like mm-hmm. resource generation mm-hmm. stuff. Or cut away from the sortie during a moment when time is precious, giving everyone room to think. It's literally the the thing of, like, the action scene is at at an all-time high and you cut away to the, like, the secondary character who's, like, in town buying a cake. And it's Uh like, uh that's, yes, that's, yes, that is what happens in these shows. Like, that is a move you can do in this game. That's some Gundam Uh, 79 right there. Yeah, 100% is. It's really good. Uh it's called Armor Astir, Armor with a U, because the person who made it is from one of the Anglophonic countries that uses <laughs> U's uh in in words still. Anyway.
0: No, that's fantastic. And we'll talk even more about mechs in a moment, but the tabletop talk is actually very I, relevant. Right. Wow. Because we're about to start some random encounters. Wizards of the Coast is continuing to face backlash over reports of potential changes to its open gaming license. It was going to release a new update to the OGL. But after the backlash from those reports coming out of Gizmodo is now going back to the drawing board. Woo. This one came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, Shout outs to uh, Linda over at Gizmodo, who's reporting on this has just (laughs) been like, uh, uh, would not have happened. Uh, uh, you know. This story would not have blown up the way it was if Linda hadn't been so good as Linda Kodega. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her coverage on tabletop stuff has been really good over the last year. I was like someone who I've been following in for the last like 12 months. Um, and then seeing her get this leaked copy of the OGL, write about it without putting her sources at risk. Um, and then, and that leading to an eventual actual leak of the full text Mm-hmm. Uh, Really kick this off, huh? Yeah, it's uh, you know,
0: I, I said before, I've been fooling around the tabletop space, but I'm not super familiar with it. But when I saw it breaking into my feed, that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, this is not like infighting drama, the sort of things that you'd normally expect from like a niche community. Mm-hmm. But this is like massive, huge stuff that is like could have huge ramifications for actual play podcasts that could have ramifications for anyone making any sort of slightly DD adjacent thing which in this day and age is a lot <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's a lot the ogl has been around for have y'all done like a breakdown before like last week on what the ogl is at all i don't remember uh, when not the story yet. i don't remember when the story first broke versus where we're at with it now it know? was like
0: breaking when we were recording gotcha like i remember it coming up when we were recording and me being like oh yeah. I wonder how that's going to pan out. And well, here we are.
1: <laughs> the like super short version for your listeners, if I can like be the tabletop <laughs> nerd, is that like 20 years ago, WotC, first of all, was not as in clear leadership position as they are now. I mean, they were D&D was still D&D. 3.5 had, had got, was doing really well. I um, uh, mean, it was still three at that point. No, I think 3.5 was out by then. Um. Ah. Uh, and the, but there were other really strong competitors. White Wolf stuff at the time, like Vampire the Masquerade, was still a huge, huge, huge part of the market. Um. And then they released the OGL, which was a sort of open license. You can think sort of, but not the same as something like a Creative Commons license. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. That encouraged other people to make products with the with games with similar. Uh, uh, now it's tricky because. It kind of doesn't actually give you anything you didn't already have based on fair use. Uh, uh, and it doesn't give you access to a lot of the stuff that is actually still there. It's like the <laughs> name Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, and their brand marks and stuff. But it gave a sort of nod to other companies that wanted to make stuff that was compatible with d and and sort of said, we won't sue you for releasing homebrew adventures or homebrew classes you could have already done that stuff this is like super important to underline you could have done that already because of the way ip works in this in this country uh you can't copyright the idea of an orc berserker uh, you could copyright mm-hmm. the orc berserker Balazar or whatever like that particular dude you could be like that's our guy but you can't right. be like green skin big guy who swings around an axe that's ours um, uh, you have to be really really unique for that to be the mm-hmm. case uh, it's the ways, same
0: thing that Blizzard ran into with Dota when when Dota yes. got made. And they were like, oh, well, you can't do Priestess of the Moon. You can't do Potom. But we're just going to make Marana, who happens right. to ride a giant white cat and shoot exactly. arrows of the moon.
1: <laughs> this is exactly a, – that's a, such a good uh, analogy for this. But what when a company sees someone says, here's our license for working with us, they say, okay, cool. We're operating under that license. And so what ended up happening was for 20 years, there was this huge third-party market. For OGL content, much of which was built right for D&D, again, you know, prestige classes, fan adventures, um, etc. And then a lot of other games, whole cloth would come out under the OGL, mm-hmm. things like Pathfinder, the first edition of Pathfinder. Uh, and then anything that was made for Pathfinder was kind of in the OGL. And so, yeah, last week uh, it leaked out that the OGL 2.0 was coming. It was retracting all of the uh, kind of – a lot of the language of the first OGL, the 1.0. And it was going to start charging uh, uh, royalties on any company that makes – or any anyone who using the OGL who makes $750,000 or more, not in profit, just income, right? So you think about something like Paizo, the company that makes Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their profits and losses look like, but I bet you they make more than $750,000 a year. They, they, yeah, they yeah. have whatever, <laughs> dozens of employees who unionized last year, right? Mm-hmm. So even if they come in – even if they'd break even – they're going to end up paying extra royalties on top of that. Um, so it looks like they're walking this back, like you said. It looks like the, the fan outcry was such that like, because it's not just the big guys like Paizo getting hit, it is lots of small-time indie creators. It is lots of, uh, like you said, actual play podcasts and, and streams are going to get caught by this. Um, uh, Roll20 and other virtual tabletops would mm. need to go get a special mm-hmm. separate contract. That probably would not have benefited them very much. And again, underlying all of this is you really don't need the OGL to do a lot of what the OGL claims to protect you from. There's some good write-ups from that for from that stuff out there at this point. Um, and I hope that that's the energy people keep going forward. I obviously have a lot of feelings about this being in the independent tabletop space. Um, I hope people realize that like we sh- you shouldn't trade out the OGL for like – one, we shouldn't just go back to the old OGL and be like, oh, okay, well – This was a thing that wizards used to create market dominance. We'll just go back to the one it was, to what it was, because that's what made D and D so big. These people were just making D and D content because they felt safe to do it. But also, let's not just trade that out for another thing that's restrictive in other ways. Uh, I hope people spend this time to like look into what their rights are as fair use creators, um, Mm -hmm. and and kind of what the difference between copyright, patent, and trademarks really are, and all that stuff. Hope it's a learning moment. What can you do? You know.
0: yeah, it's it's a tale as old as time. And again, like I keep going back to the Blizzard analogy because this yeah. is the same sort of dust-up that they had when they remade uh, Warcraft 3. And they wanted a piece of the pie. Now that there were a bunch mm-hmm. of mods and stuff, they saw things like auto-chess and, and heck Dota. And were like, we didn't get a piece of that back then. We want a piece of that now. And yeah. Yeah. guess what that did to the Warcraft 3
1: modding scene? Well, and it's <laughs> wild because I think there's versions of it that I do... I am more sympathetic towards. So, like, do you remember when Mm -hmm. Bethesda announced that they were going to start letting people charge for mods for Skyrim Mm, in 2015? And there was this huge backlash against this, which I get to a degree, there's a degree of, like, here is a common good that you're trying to enclose. But also, Skyrim has been benefited Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. much by the free mod scene. Bethesda Mm -hmm. has made bank and kept users from going to competitive uh, products, have, have kept users inside of their ecosystems, have made people love these games and often will buy a game knowing that it will be fixed mm. or improved by mods down the line. Uh, you know, Fallout 4 is a game that launched in a bad state, but has since become, <laughs> it ha- has a ton of great mod support that fixes mm-hmm. things like the settlement system or not fixes, fixes is too strong, but creates alternative si- game design systems, all sorts of other stuff in there mm-hmm. that just were not there at launch. Uh, And so the idea that like we should like, you know, knee jerk say, no, we don't ever want mods to be paid for. We never want to pay mod creators was really upsetting to me at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are ways where you're like a company should try to structure a way to make sure that anyone who's making something valuable is getting paid. That's not what the OGL 2.0 or 1.1 or whatever it was going to be uh, was going to do. It was mostly going to like kneecap big companies, like bigger companies like Paizo. Paizo is still like you know a candle in the sun next to Watsi, but it was going to hurt them, uh, and it was going to make everybody else a little scared about mm-hmm. creating anything um, uh, and feel like there was a real limit on what they could create. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, I'm glad they're, they're walking it back. I really hope people like you go beyond D&D and, and see what else is out there. I know it's scary because everybody you know loves D&D uh, and you probably – not you literally, but you the extract right, right. listener, the listener um, who mm-hmm. only plays D&D. Um, uh, and I know that like the indie scene folks like me can be aggressive about like go play another game sometimes. (laughs) Um, I, I want to underscore that. I think that that comes from a place of incredible joy. Um, Mm -hmm. and of like, you know, um, a hamburger is pretty good. I like a hamburger. I'm glad I don't only eat hamburgers and there's Mm. so many, Mm -hmm. and you can dress up a hamburger a bunch of different ways. You can do all sorts of shit with a hamburger. But mm-hmm. you can eat pasta, too. You can also have rice. You can like all mm-hmm. this other stuff mm-hmm. in the world of tabletop role playing games. And it can be um, it can be hard to try to vocalize your love for that other stuff without sounding like you're dissing someone who just loves hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so I, you know, I do my best to be a good advocate for that indie space, but also, this is a good opportunity. Push yourself a little bit. Ask some people who you know who maybe like some smaller stuff maybe like some stuff that's forged in the dark like blades in the dark or powered yeah. by the apocalypse these are pretty good jumping on points or try something really different go play um uh you know um uh Avery alder's uh uh quiet year which is an all-timer a sick uh-huh. game about drawing drawing a map in the post-apocalypse uh go play um uh, uh bed and breakfast which was recently kickstarted and is sort of like uh quaint but sort of melancholy um, game about a bed and breakfast. Um, Stew Pot is one of my all-time favorites. A game about uh, being adventurers who retire to or run a little tavern in a fantasy world. You just stick that game on your game. You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So many great things to go to go uh, play. And I hope folks continue to explore the hobby and use this as a way to jump off. Sorry for turning this into my little soapbox. No, it's, it's fine. This is the space like, I'm in, you
0: know? Th- this is something we honestly like do you need to talk about because tabletop role playing games affect digital role playing games too obviously dnd is big in the the digital the virtual rpg mm-hmm. space and it's something to consider and also the reason why we keep saying you know like indie rpgs are doing some cool stuff citizen sleeper is the reason why Simpsons i'm so sleeper. interested in yes. blades in the
1: dark yep citizen sleeper uh you think about citizen sleeper you think about um uh who Disco Elysium is pulling on mm-hmm, tabletop mm-hmm. stuff heavily um and you even think about some in some ways you can think about c- certain stuff like um that is not direct but has a similar uh like ethos like the dwarf fortress boom mm-hmm, um i think gets mm-hmm. at something similar about what people love about tabletop games which is like fail forward it's okay to make a mistake funny interesting stories happen when bad stuff happens uh and then like just procedurality or systems driven storytelling where you're just like mm-hmm. I had no idea this was going to happen and I've stumbled into something that it will be like a memory of mine forever. Um, There's a real conversation between tabletop stuff and that style of play. Uh, So yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, that was a long, random encounter, a chain of random encounters, if you will. a chain battle from was, Yeah, yeah. You know, we needed to grind for some XP. <laughs>
1: exactly. Let's get
0: through these other ones real quick. Persona three and four streaming will not be <laughs> restricted. However, Atlas would like you to use spoiler warnings. You know, just be cool about it. Be chill. <laughs> uh, Google and NVIDIA express concern over the Activision Blizzard purchase because, of course they do. <laughs> um Ubisoft cancels three more unannounced games, bringing that total up to seven if you include it's the seven. games from last year. Uh, and delay Skull and Bones again, because why not? You know, they're coming out and doing it. They're like, hey, how's Skull and Bones doing? Oh, we'll delay it again. And I Aren't don't know. Aren't
1: they tied to some, don't they have some um, deal with a country about needing to ship that eventually?
0: Oh, I mean, look. Probably is that not real I, Skull and Bones Singapore? I know it's being, yeah, it's being made in in Ubisoft Singapore. I would have to do some research to verify. This, this
1: was this was I think last 2021. There was some it came out reporting came out that there was some sort of deal. I, I think that they got some government money. Per Kotaku, I don't remember. Some other mm-hmm. people should go look into this.
0: You know, Ethan, Ethan Gatch over at Kotaku has there been on go. top of the School & Bones reporting uh and has done some fantastic work. Uh, so, Ethan Gatch, you got us on this. Shout out <laughs> to the homie. Uh, Xbox and Bethesda are holding a showcase on January 25th, but no Starfield.
1: Boo. Uh, I mean, yeah. take your time. You're going to do a big Starfield event anyway. But, you know, I
0: mm-hmm. would like to see more. And One Piece Odyssey has a demo out. It's also out now, but I'm liking this trend of, hey, play the first chapter of our RPG and then pick up the progress later if you want, especially for something like One Piece, because I'm not going to lie. I watched some gameplay of this One Piece <laughs> game and I sat there and I was like, do I want to watch One Piece? Do I finally want to do
1: this? Do I want to so much? it's Dude, a lot it's so much there's so many episodes i can't i love my one piece friends i love them you have my heart your characters seem dope i you know they seem like cool i yeah i get it but th- how many episodes are there
0: so the the thing that ultimately stopped me was i was watching this i was like combat looks cool art you know i'm not a huge fan of the art style but i can get there yeah um yeah. But then they were like, One piece Odyssey picks up after episode 750 of the one piece saying. anime. And I was but like, I, nope. you know
1: what? Okay, but you know what? Okay. But here's the thing that's kind of as someone who grew up, you know, my One Piece was Dragon Ball Z. That's like the generation mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I was. Mm-hmm. And if I could have made some of those DBZ games not just start from the beginning of Dragon Ball Z and start at the Cell Saga or start mm-hmm. or start at Dragon Ball instead of just starting with the Saiyan saga, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have been Incredibly sick, so I'm glad they're at least putting out a game that's not like, see how Luffy and the crew get together for the first time or whatever. But yeah, yeah. there's a thousand, there's over a thousand episodes of One Piece. It,
0: the concept, from what I understand, is that part of it is original story, and then part of it is they're going back to big moments in the series and doing what if okay. versions of like, oh, okay, what if this person didn't die, or what if this person like won this fight, or whatever. And I kind of like that concept. And I I would like to see something like that in a Dragon Ball or even a Hunter Hunter setting. Oh,
1: I, I'm just saying,
0: I want a I I good Hunter Hunter. How Yo. has there not been,
1: bro, how has there mm. not been a good Hunter Hunter, like RPG? What is wrong with us that we it's don't have? So, it has the typology oh. already there. It already has. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm.
0: I, you have the different Nen users. This is what I'm Karapika saying. Karapika is like the coolest character. I love Karapika. Karapika is
1: great. Oh I, lo- I love are you Are you caught up with the. Did you watch the whole 2012 anime or whatever that, that run really was? I am was? up
0: through the Chimera Ant arc. I don't did think I've watched the one Chimera after Ant? it. You finished yes. Chimera? Okay. I think. I, I remember how certain Ant. characters finish yeah. out that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's so good it's so 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 mm-hmm. good i mean like Chim- chimera ant specifically ends up feeling like a really fun deconstruction of dragon ball z in so mm. many ways mm-hmm. um and it's almost true for every arc like like every arc feels like it's 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 sagashi being like what if, if i had to do a sh- if i had to do a shonen you know show in or, or or manga in this in this genre what would that be like if i had to do Yu Gi Oh, what would that be like and mm. so then you get the greed island arc you know like yeah and, and like you know some of it's better and some of it's worse i definitely think that the um uh what is york new york new city york and, new city. and yeah. stand out as high as mm-hmm. high as for me mm-hmm. but they're all it's also good and the fact that we don't have just like an absolute top tier jrpg in hunter x hunter is mm-hmm. such a disappointment so it's one day, there. one one day. one day oh battle tower i want to go to the battle yeah tower and just climb it that's like a, it's such an easy thing to imagine them making but mm-hmm. You know them? Uh, question mark them. The, they whoever, whoever picks up the the license and runs with it. I don't Bandai know who, Namco who. would
0: probably. It would
1: probably be Bandai Namco. But if you if you could have anybody make a Hunter x Hunter game, who would it be?
0: Oh, Arc System Works. I, I want <laughs> I want Hunter X Hunters. <laughs>
1: yes, 100%. I just want the
0: team fighter. Uh, that would be I, so sick. I know this is an RPG podcast, but I want the maybe it doesn't need to be tagged maybe it doesn't need to be 3v3 tag maybe it could be like 2v2 that's kind of coming back into vogue Mm -hmm. now that like project l does it black cross tag did it so like maybe you get that sort of like i don't know x-men versus street fighter vibe or something yeah Um, yeah
1: i could see it yeah i don't know who i would want i feel like
0: fighter three people on the team but no no
1: tags because then you get the thing of like you're down to your last person i mean you get that in a tag bat- battle anyway but like the thing mm-hmm. of like needing to start the next round is the same person who's been worn right. down from the previous round is really mm-hmm. fun
0: mm-hmm. so yeah gone gets stronger when he does that he's, yes. he's the anchor if he's he the turns anchor. into adult gone
1: <laughs> oh it's so bad oh it's so fucked up all right uh,
0: okay that's it for random encounters i want level 5
1: to make it but not not current level 5 do you know what i mean <laughs> a level 5 from my point in time of choosing of my che- <laughs> i get to pick the level 5 team who makes it yeah 2008 <laughs> level 5 exactly
0: oh, oh. uh that's it for random encounters uh now we're going to talk a little bit about chained echoes our main segment for today uh austin has been playing it i have been playing it i've not finished it i have
1: i uh, have let me tell you who yeah i'm still
0: mid act two i think near the end of act two uh i just did a big confrontation with a certain villain who rode in on a tank which was sick okay. yeah uh-huh. um, and so i've got what i think is the full party assembled now because i also have blue mage guy who owns the you, do do have, blue you do not have you do not have the full
1: party i'm oh, sorry no, to tell you this no. how many characters do you think are in this game do you want to know i i assumed once all the slots were filled up then no but- my friend you still have slots to go oh no uh-huh <laughs> you thought six so you or sorry you thought eight you thought it was yes sorry, can, have you set up what chain deco's deal is on a previous episode
0: yeah, so let's, let's let's lay some groundwork. We've talked okay. about it in, in the, the currently playing segment, uh, which we're probably not going to have in this episode. Sorry if you've listened to this podcast and I've already done it before <laughs> now. We're recording this out of time. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's, Chained Echoes is very much a lovingly throwback RPG that is made by one solo developer, uh, Matthias Linda, with composition work done by Eddie Mariana Crow uh they're really
1: good composition work
0: just music phenomenal. Yeah. yeah i i can't stress that enough um it is i guess you would say a classically styled turn-based rpg you are taking turns you have a command menu you do the things that you would do in a normal final fantasy let's say it it out of the gate gave me final fantasy 10 vibes just because it was that classic turn base. You've got a turn order. There's no ATB or anything like that. You're just going back and forth. Um, The, the thrust of it is you are in this fantasy world that also has kind of vaguely steampunk mech vibes of, Oh, we, we do fantasy. We have magic. We have swords. We also have giant flying sky armor <laughs> <laughs> with machine guns and stuff. Uh, and you're playing this ragtag group of characters that comes together from a variety of events that all kind of end up in the same place, dealing with the same problem of there is a brewing war within the continent, and they are trying to put a stop to it. Um, yeah, It is hard to say more without going too deeply into spoilers, but the way that this game just immediately sets up what it's doing in the first even just 30 minutes is weird to say that the first 30 minutes of an RPG can be gripping, but Mm -hmm. I loved this game from the moment I booted it up. It went so fast and, and so quick. The, the chrono trigger fake out at the beginning was fantastic. Uh (laughs) Oh, you're awake. Oh, Honey, it's it's time to go. <laughs> no, get up, slap. <laughs> and then you're in an airship on your way to a war. And it, it was a very good fake out, but also kind of like sets the tone that this is something inspired by the classics that is also kind of trying to use that, that content, those ideas, those inspirations to then make something new from them. And that's why I th- personally think Chained Echoes is so, uh interesting but what kind of drew you into it austin
1: yeah i mean i i uh the giant mechs uh is probably true it's probably true that like okay why did i play this and not one of the other 50 2d jrpg inspired (laughs) games that dropped on steam in the last (laughs) year do you know what Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. um to some degree it's the giant robots uh Mm. but i do think what made me stick with it because so i you know I as a am in a transitional period as a gamer. Mm-hmm. I spent the last decade mm-hmm. as in media and and doing a lot of podcasts. And as in media, I would be in one of two play modes. One is review mode, which is just mm-hmm. like I'm mm-hmm. going to just get through this thing. Like this is going to be my life until it's done. And then podcast mode, generally speaking, unless we were doing a special like Waypoint 101 about a game where you have to finish it, which is basically like reviewing it. Um, you play enough to talk about it on a podcast. And then you would always lie to yourself. And be like I really liked it. I'm going to finish this. And by <laughs> and large, I wouldn't do that. You know, There were like some uh-huh. exceptions to uh-huh. that. Uh, and that's how I knew at the end of the year like what my game of the year list would be. It's like, well, what did I go back to even after I talked about it on a podcast? This would have totally been the sort of game where three years ago, I probably would have played enough to talk about it on a podcast. I would have gotten to about where you got, and then I would have put it down and then never come back to it. So I'm hoping I'm not giving you the podcaster's curse by saying this out
0: loud. No, no. You I've should been stick sitting with here it. like, I want to get back to Chained Echoes
1: after I turn off final fantasy 14 but that's a different problem that's for a whole problem. other problem um so, but the thing that the thing that made me stick with it so i would have jumped into it anyway no matter what like it it takes it a lot of boxes for me snes style throwback like not mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. snes style i should be clear it's not like trying to be snes retro in graphics or in mm-hmm. in sprite design or anything like that uh maybe in color palette a little you know a, l- a little evoking a color palette that that's snes style but it's i doubt it's you know only using that amount of colors um uh but what made me stick with it is how good it feels to play um mm. i tried to go back to play potion permit uh which is like you know a sort of crafting rpg mm-hmm. that came out a few months ago after playing chained echoes and was just like Ugh, like i'm in molasses like moving around feels bad because it just feels good to run around in chained echoes to run around mm-hmm. the fields and to run around like the different you zones Runs so fast it runs oh, no. so fast like having a
0: fast run speed i did not think would be a good selling point for the early part of chain echoes but you zip across that it feels great
1: all the way through the game it feels so good it like sets Mm -hmm. a standard for what what it should feel like to move across a big space when you're not like especially in a game where you're not getting random battles right you're moving Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. battle to battle that's on on the stage like chrono trigger or something right um uh the the so that's one point for it Two, the pace at which you learn new interesting things about the world. Um, hmm. Even when you're grinding out stuff, I mean, you, I mean, what I should say pause. There isn't really much grinding in the game. So that's also a benefit for me. Right. Um, right. There's no levels, right? Uh, the way that, that it works is you have a set of skills that you have. Hmm. Yeah. It's the Call of Duty uh, Pick 10 system. Uh, oh, my God, um, it is. Oh, my. Mm. It, it literally kind of is, right? <laughs> so you have three, every character in your party has three categories of skill that they can unlock mm-hmm. whenever you achieve a Grimoire Shard, which is an object in the game that you can earn either through main story progression, through completing side quests, from defeating certain optional side bosses, or from completing. <laughs> achievements on a sort of achievement grid yeah like a final fantasy 12
0: reward board of things that you can do in the world that will then give you a thing and the longer your chain is on that board the higher like the more you unlock rewards so you want to have the longest contiguous chain on that board that you exactly
1: yes um and so that's how you actually level up whenever you whenever you do that you can pick one of the the skills that you have from your active battle skills list your passive Mm -hmm. like bonuses list or your like they're like super passives like the passive list is a the middle list is passives you can put on your character into one of five slots and then the Mm -hmm. third one is just like stat ups basically just like raw Mm -hmm. plus magic plus strength whatever um so obviously, I've got all those first because they're important. Um, but <laughs> number go up, number, number go up, number go up, number go up, and then uh, as you get more abilities, more abilities unlock for you to pick from. There's like kind of three or four like zones of these three rows, mm-hmm. right? There's like, or sorry, there's three columns, and those columns are split into rows. You unlock more rows as you mm-hmm. get more abilities, right? Um, but you can't just grind out a level. You can grind right. out skill points that will help your skills go up uh, from level one to level three, where they max out. But even that's not like. like They're not some
0: big game changers. They go from like 1.5 damage to 1.7% right, damage or right. whatever.
1: Like it's, it's and you'll very. You feel minor. that. Um, that's like, it's, 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 it's big enough that sometimes I'd remember I had stocked up skill points to dump into a skill mm, and that mm-hmm, would like mm-hmm. make the difference in a really hard optional fight, but it was never like, I'm going to go grind for an hour so I can get the skill points I need to blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, uh, and yes, there's a lot of equipment in the game. That's the other half of this. Uh, yeah. equipment is a huge, huge part. Itemization is like the core of the game. Um, there's a lot there's maybe too much customization with these like crystals you can you can put in i always told myself i was not going to worry too much about it and then i always worried too much about Mm -hmm, it and spent a mm -hmm, lot of my time mm -hmm. in this game tinkering with what crystals were in what piece of gear and trying to figure out combos and stuff but all of this works and then three because you're not grinding a lot you have to this game has just has to have a lot of story content And it rolls it out really well. There's constantly some new hook that kept me interested. There was constantly some turn that was surprising. Um, And it saves its best punches for the beginning and end of each act. Uh, Mm -hmm. I will Mm -hmm. not talk about particular act spoilers. But I will say that you hit the end of act one and some shit happens that is just the most like, wait, I didn't know that this was the type of game I'm playing. I didn't know this game had this in it, you know?
0: Yeah. End of act one. I the the one like crowning moment of that style of reveal was always bloodborne when you Uh, you kill uh rom the spider and then the world just it's not like the world gets that different but like your understanding of your place in it and what this game is you're like oh i'm playing the werewolf game and then all of a sudden like (laughs) oh there's more i i am i am like going but it's that feeling of going beneath the surface i recently rewatched hunt for the red october i don't know yeah, why yeah, i just yeah, felt yeah. like sure. it was that feeling of the sub like dipping underneath the water and like now you're kind of gliding down and oh there's so much more down here that's also when the game starts to introduce some of its last i i assume mechanical <laughs> don't give me that face austin <laughs> some <laughs> I, of I its think last right. mechanical stuff it, yes. it, one of its definitely big mechanical swings, which is that you can pilot Sky Armor. Yes, um, that is they introduce it right after the conclusion of Act One. Um, really, I think actually during it's the in conclusion the conclusion. Of act one. Yeah, 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 yeah. They and do teach you that there. Yeah. There's
1: like an important distinction. So the the core battle mechanic is that you have this overdrive meter. This is regular on foot combat. You have this mm, overdrive meter mm, that mm-hmm. goes from being off to being like you're in the good zone to being mm-hmm. like too much. You know, cool down, overheat it. Uh, I don't know why I'm sounding like a Namco race, like a like a Ridge Racer voice. Too hot. Cool down. Cool down. Exactly. <laughs> Bonus. Uh, um, but you want to stay in that 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 good zone, and to do that, you any ability that you play generally, any skill or spell or whatever, advances that thing up, makes the meter go up. Um, uh, and there is a rotating like. Okay, if you do a heal right now, you'll cool off a little bit. If you do a Mm -hmm. physical attack Mm -hmm. uh, ability, you'll cool off a little bit. And so you're kind of chasing that. And you have two rows of – party. you have two sets of party members. You have – I guess maybe that's not not two sets. It's that you have eight party members, but only four Mm -hmm. can be in at any given time. And you can swap out – Pairs. Pairs. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, pairs. Exactly. So like, I would – by the point at which you're in the game, I would have a – maybe you're at this point now – Oh, yeah, you must be. I would have, like, my main physical damage dealer in slot one, and then my slot two, uh, or in slot one B, was my, like, uh-oh, bad time, get my healer in here. Uh, oh, she would be mm. there, and I'd pull her in for emergency situations, Interesting. Right? Uh, that's where I was at that point in the game. Um. uh Whereas, like, my fourth slot was the support guy, who's maybe the best character oh, in the game. Oh my god!
0: Yeah, his I have seen his super animation so many times. The it's
1: so clutch. The Don't orchestra on main in. dudes super though. Main dude super where, where he
0: builds the robot
1: and, yes. and attacks.
0: Yeah, the key is some on that real Marvel versus Capcom that, super vibes 100%. there. Hundred
1: <laughs> percent. That ability. Um puts deep like serious debuffs on mm-hmm. the enemy side mm-hmm. so i often will start a boss fight with that it's super 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 effective um but yeah so that's the ground combat stuff so you're like oh okay i need a debuff because i want to keep my overdrive meter in the right place mm-hmm. and then with the mechs the sky armors you are it's just different you're you're switching gears uh, from one yeah. to two to three basically uh in order to change the direction your meter is going and it's not as fun but it's still I still think it's pretty interesting. I yeah, that
0: that was one of the main things. Like the overdrive bar, you know, we're going to talk at length about here, but I think specifically when they bring in the sky armor stuff, I do think that it's conceptually cool, but when I end up using it in battle, it never feels as good as the on-ground overdrive bar does. Uh and maybe it's because you have just good zone and red zone right there's not really so much of throttling it within that narrow window that you have for the on foot it's like well you're either good or you're bad like yep. that's it Yeah. and um and having to like move between this three gear system where you are very much like kicking in the clutch and shifting because you're like oh i'm i'm in the red i need to get out i need to get out <laughs> oh no i was in gear one and so i'm in gear two and that's not going the right direction so i need to shift down to gear zero and um, I think it's conceptually very interesting, but maybe does not feel as smooth in the combat has kind of led me to not like the sky armor stuff as much as I was hoping I would. Yeah. But um, uh, there's
1: what I will say is in its defense, that that stuff feels best in the dungeons that are made for it, which you'll mm. get to as you continue playing. Like there will be okay. zones where you're like, oh, this is a sky armor zone. And it's been balanced to where you know in sky armor you really have those the 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 other resource that i found much more serious in sky armor than on ground is mp on ground mm-hmm, i like mm-hmm, never had mp mm-hmm. troubles except for with maybe one character who was just like my mp hog who is not my not my mage by the way she yeah, ne- I was my say, Len never my mage never had has problems. problems but uh, sienna no. who is like your yes. rogue um, has some really high cost abilities. And if I don't get mm-hmm. TP regeneration, not MP, TP, TP regeneration on her early, I can burn through that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, in the in the armors, I found that you can really burn through TP. And so you need to go down to that zero, gear zero uh, mm-hmm. to recover it. Um, uh, that's the only way you can really recover that are items. Uh, and when they're building dungeons with that in mind um, and encounters with that in mind, I find that that stuff ends up being more interesting than like the open zone areas that have uh, mech sized enemies in them that stuff mm-hmm. always just felt either way too easy or like a cliff or it's like oh i just need to come back when i get way better gear and i'll just crush this which is what happened for all that open open zone stuff
0: right at home
1: go to prettylitter.com and use code spotify for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details with kizik hands free shoes motion sounds something like this kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over 200 patents and easy on easy off technology you'll never have to touch your shoes again there are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a
0: squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, we should probably talk about the actual party of chain Echoes at some Please. point. Yes. Um, so the, because you think
1: you have them all, and in I fact, know. you don't yet.
0: Right? Um, so you start off with Glenn, who is somewhat the main character of the game let's say like they definitely start it with kind of a I don't know live alive is a very loose analogy here but that's sort of like the party is coming together moment maybe mm-hmm. like t- trials of mana I haven't played that game in a long time so mm-hmm. don't blow up on me chat if that's wrong but <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh like like Glenn is kind of your your main character. Your your dude who does stuff he he uh attacks people he's a warrior type and you also have um your your best pal with you who who is kind of your more berserker Viking type character I never really knew what to do with him uh Sienna is definitely one of my favorite characters in the she's game. so good um, she's she's great she's fantastic her, her moveset is fantastic the way that it can proc pedal storm as kind of her core concept of trying to pull in that high damage ability by using other abilities. And so you get a bunch of different options to try and proc Mm Pedal Storm. And you're kind of playing around with what option fits best. And she ends up feeling very malleable because you end up getting a lot of those different icons that can pull back on the Overdrive gauge or apply different status effects. And all of them are in pursuit of Pedal Storm. But she ends Mm -hmm. up being a very varied character because of it. I feel the same about um, Rob, I think, is the Archer. Rob's Um, the Archer, yeah yeah and
1: he's big I status debuff i hated him at
0: first i thought i he mean sucked. his i mean, mean his introduction
1: is that he sucks right his introduction yeah. is being a spoiled prick who like hates the poor and criminals and uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, like uh vows to never let you know anyone else any any criminal ever live and you know mm-hmm. it's a jrpg he goes on a journey you know you'll see yeah it, he's I still like, don't really like him by the end of the, he's never in my party anymore for what it's worth <laughs>
0: Uh, He reminds me of uh, that character from tactics, like the very beginning of tactics uh, who nothing bad ever happens to ever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what if that character was in your party and had to grow and was forced to attempt to grow
1: over the course of an entire plot i mean also this game does owe a lot to tactics in its storytelling Mm -hmm. mode oh yeah all of the like at the beginning and end of every act there's a sort of like map view of the like world that says Mm -hmm. and here's what this faction was doing and here's what this Mm -hmm. faction was doing and like it's very faction brained and as a very faction brained storyteller myself i really appreciate it Mm -hmm. it's maybe a little bit to keep up with if you're I find that if you're worried about keeping up with it all, it might feel like there's a lot you're missing, but you're not really missing that much. You know, the setup is like there's a continent that has three main powers on it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. another nearby continent that has a super powerful church on it, and they're mm-hmm. trying to come influence stuff. And then there's some other – there's another country somewhere else, and they might want to invade too. You know what I mean? Like it's not – you don't have to – there. there's just not, not – too much in my mind there's just enough to, to keep your brain busy uh-huh. but not so much that you feel like you are you're gonna start needing to take notes you know this is this is
0: you know i i declared 2022 the year of tactics and it was <laughs> by all accounts the year of tactics but maybe 2022 was also secretly the year of factions because mm. we had tactics ogre come back yep we had uh chained echoes we had the deal field chronicle is something that i, I still think check it was out a, it's a solid seven out of ten. You okay. know, it sits right there. Right, but, but like, it's one of those sevens you keep thinking about.
1: Okay, is it is it the seven I should because so here's where I'm sitting right now. Uh mm-hmm. I picked up Chained Echoes when I could have finished Tactics Ogre Reborn, which I didn't get that deep into. Mm-hmm. Um could have finally gone back and played Triangle Strategy, which also three big factions on a continent.
0: Oh mm-hmm. And I didn't play mm-hmm. that. I
1: didn't get through it. I, I'm only like Five hours in, or something, you know, which in in triangle strategy terms is like three battles <laughs> and mostly <laughs> right, reading, right. Yeah. mostly cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a th- wasn't there another big strategy release last year? Um, release
0: yeah i'm trying to think through all of them there's the front mission remake there's there the a was... front mission
1: remake which i didn't even which i didn't even buy i know I, I should do I, that i, I should even, do that the second yeah. this is done i know it's not good but i mm-hmm. have to support front mission you have, have to see it I, you
0: have to understand it. i have to see yeah. it with my
1: own eyes you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um there was there was mario and rabbits there right. was which was honestly one of the better tactics games of the year uh, there was another tactics game that I can't think of, though. You're right. There's another one that's in that like faction yeah. mindset of like yeah. we have three nations on a continent that are fighting over resources. And, um, but yeah, Diofield is, was absolutely like a cool one of those. We don't need to, this is in the Diofield podcast, but um, <laughs> it, it was one that I have continuously thought about and gone back to and, and considered. Um, anyways, Len. Len is a great character. I yes. like Len a lot. Yes. Uh maybe one of the more interesting characters that grows over the course of the story and and her role becomes more and more interesting, complex, uh really grappling with, you know, the princess who ran away. And wanted to see the world and is kind of grappling with the world. I find her Mm -hmm. almost better as an audience, like viewpoint
1: than Glenn. Sometimes they like trade that off throughout the course of the game in really interesting ways. I will not, like I said, I will not talk about late game spoiler Mm -hmm. stuff. I won't talk Mm -hmm. about mid game spoiler stuff, Uh, but I'll talk kind of structurally. And I'll say that like, as you learn more about the meta narrative of the game, the larger big picture, super narrative, um there are moments when she becomes the focus and becomes the obvious audience surrogate and mm-hmm. then they in some ways tease out hey could glenn still be that why isn't glenn that is there something about glenn that like is holding him back What's he dealing with? And I think by the end of the game, he has retaken the, the center stage as the, the protagonist. but um, Not in a way that erases or minimizes any other character's importance or what their mm. story mm-hmm. is. Um, uh, but they, the way that those characters weave in, you know, their kind of histories, because you don't really know much about about Glenn at the point of the game that you're at uh, in terms of uh, what his deal no. is, besides like, no. mercenary with a lot of guilt over some stuff, you know? Yeah, so. you know.
0: With a wild imagination. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but it is sort of a Titus and Yuna situation from 10 where you kind of have these two characters that can absolutely act as protagonists and even do when I, I love in this game, even early on, where they start to go like, OK, we have the party coming together from different areas. You have Victor, by the way, Victor is also oh, fantastic so character um i'm trying to remember he's
1: like a bard he's like a i mean he is a bard in the traditional sense of being like the party buffer who plays a trumpet or a harp or whatever sometimes Mm -hmm. but he's explicitly like from a like a type of person his like species or whatever lives for hundreds and hundreds of years and Mm -hmm. still has access to magic in a way that most people do not um uh and uh also like is famous as a playwright which is really fun. Like you yeah, keep running into people who yeah. like know his books, um, which is great.
0: Yeah. I, I love the idea that this is like an immortal, not even immortal, but just like long lived character mm-hmm. who is just decided to not become, you know, power hungry or whatever is like, I'm going to be Shakespeare of this world <laughs> yeah. and be the living Shakespeare of this world. Um, I also love bothraz who is a late addition, but they are like one of the coolest They rule so much lore wise design wise. They are such an interesting and complex character. Even when they're in battles, they have one of my favorite like kit designs of those characters, the way that they summon attacks and then build up that meter to do the big summoned attack. But then you can also summon little helper. I love I love. Uh, characters that summon little dudes. You know, I love to summon in, little In every dude. game, I can summon little dudes. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. Bothras really gets that cool done. lizard
1: guy who's also like a magical mercenary type. And his uh-huh. introduction is great—the way that Sienna and he first meet up and like what her situation is. uh In general, it's worth saying that like there's a lot of Final Fantasy VI in this game in terms mm-hmm. of character goes off to do their own thing or the party gets split up and so suddenly you're doing like a little one-off um a lot of sienna stuff reminds me of Locke in final fantasy 6 and sort of mm. the like um thiefy like mini like story like the little like okay i have to do this in this order i have to do a and then i can do b and then i get a little bonus item if i if i do that in the right order or whatever you know mm. not mm-hmm. in combat like in the in some of sienna's story stuff basically yeah um Uh, But they
0: bring this whole party together. They all come together from disparate backgrounds uh, over the course of uh, at least from the characters I have act one and act Uh, Mm two. And I think the other cool thing they do very early on in the story is they bring the party together and they start splitting the party and say like, "Okay, you've met all these characters, you know, their backgrounds. We're going to start pairing them up in ways that will create interesting moments of, oh, what if rob was with a broad Zord guy who sucks <laughs> and uh they don't like each other and victor's got to keep them together so they can we actually really, go find people i can't believe you hate killian
1: this much i look he's he's you know he's griffith from berserk from, uh, uh you know he's like he has a dream is, is he well yeah he's he's the, he's, he's the head of a, <laughs> of a mercenary group <laughs> who will do? And he's also a little uh, Loen, uh, um, a little um, Reinhard von Loengram from from uh, uh, Gal- uh, poof, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Who like oh, he has okay, his okay. sister that he cares a lot about at home, and he has this grand ambition for uniting the galaxy. I mean, in this case, it's not the galaxy; it's the world. Uh, he's like, I have a, dr- I dream of bigger things, Glenn. Like, I dream of of, mm, uh, mm. and and also he's like he's very like ambition coded in a jrpg in a way where you're like three (laughs) scenes in, you're like i don't know about this guy i got Mm -hmm, some vibe mm -hmm. i'm catching some vibes you know so yeah
0: he's the guy like you walk in and you're just talking about something he's like yeah and we should reconstruct the world to make that better (laughs) shouldn't we and you're like not dude we're just talking about how good the coffee is here (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no, I, uh, to be clear i i think he's a great character he's a great character who you do love to have those moments of like ah oh, i can't believe you've done this even though like you could totally believe he's done he's this. done this this, this was yeah. this was coming from a distance but um yeah i i love the way it it splits the party up it moves the story around it moves the story at such a good pace and i feel like they let they let beats go on long enough i think of the when you stop over at the like roadside inn on your way up I to the northern town i was literally
1: about to ask you if you got to that specific little story oh. arc yet
0: it's such a good little like we are doing a side plot that is not Dude. necessarily key to the main plot but we're going to have an interesting story over here Yep. and you're going to know that something's up you're going to get the it feeling felt that something's so wrong it's so much
1: like a really good filler arc in anime mm-hmm. Do you know you mm-hmm. know what i mean where you're like I know this wasn't in the manga, but it's like really it's like a really good moment for like all the characters to hang out and they learn something cool about the world. It's not like that important. And there's like some memorable characters that like I'll always think about in terms of like how, you know, how dark can this game throw? You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, uh, And it's just like a little one off adventure. I love that arc so Mm -hmm, much. mm
0: -hmm. It's it it reminded me of we just did the autumn of the avatar. So Kat and Nadia were not with us today uh watched avatar the last airbender for the first time and i re-watched it with them and we podcasted through all of it and it reminded me of the uh puppet master episode mm-hmm. of avatar the last airbender where you meet the bloodbender and uh katara goes through that whole arc <laughs> also yes the full metal alchemist section yes it is the, the big brother section absolutely <laughs> it really um, is it is it is and such a I good you, like
1: some of the ideas that come up there um any some of the characters who come up there will come back later in the game in both really important ways and in totally unimportant cool side content ways
0: mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm.
1: that is like it ends up being one of those great little things where you're like that's such a memorable 2 hours of this game you you could do a vertical slice cut of this game that is just that section mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and yet it ends up it ends up carrying water like in a good way for the end to the end of the game some of the bigger ideas like it introduces lore about the, yes, mm-hmm. I kind you know. Thing, it, it, chained echoes has kind of Final Fantasy fourteen cosmology and like metaphysics yeah. in terms of the way souls work to the flow, hundred yeah. percent. And this is the arc where they really set that up, and it's mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. such a good way of setting that up versus like big lore dump.
0: You know, exactly. I feel like chained echoes. For, for all the times that I do sit there and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this reminds me of this. I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, it's full of homages and it's just nostalgia stuff. There's yeah. references and oh, my God, it is full of references. Um, but even though it does reference a lot, it does a lot where it also understands why those things work yep. and why those things are effective uh, in a very Avatar The Last Airbender way. Avatar The Last Airbender, also a series full of homages and nods to the things that inspired it. But the difference between that and something that takes more liberally just to say, like, oh, this thing was cool. I want to do that, too. It's yeah. saying, no, this thing was cool. And I want to get to the heart of why that's cool and do my version of it. I think that is what has made Chained Echoes stand out for me, is it wants to be its own thing while also knowing that it's inspired by so many things that came before it. And it does stuff with that
1: yeah and I, I truly it does stuff with that all the way through the end of the game um mm-hmm, i think that there mm-hmm. is, theres is there i'm so excited to to hear what you think about the big <laughs> act two conclusion stuff and then uh, it it carries that energy all the way through the final boss of the game um you know i i will say that i think it's a little long in the tooth as a game uh mm-hmm, i found mm-hmm. myself compelled to do i didn't 100 it right but i did fi- finish the reward board um or i didn't finish the reward oh. board i i Unlocked all of the the chain rewards in the reward right, board. Right. So there's definitely one-off things on there I didn't do. uh I didn't complete like every optional side boss, but I did beat the big optional side boss, like the there's an optional oh, the, side the dungeon. Ultimate weapon, get. the yeah, Omega yeah, yeah, weapon, exactly yeah, yeah, that yeah. style of thing. I did do that. Um. Uh. And and I, you know, did did a ton of the stuff in the game. I, you know, I leveled up all the characters all the way in terms of uh-huh. I got enough grimoire shards to unlock every ability and I think that like that's a really good example of it being a little long in the tooth um I won't tell you how many more characters you have to go <laughs> uh but if you count optional ones it, it's it's more than it's 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 more than they need it um mm-hmm. uh, I mean I guess that's the thing is you're at the point now you said you got the blue magish character right Yeah, so I've got the
0: blue mage and I just picked characters? up the healer healer character yeah right yeah
1: those are, I think, all of no. There's still one more main plot character you'll get for sure. Oh,
0: fantastic! Yeah, uh,
1: and then there are th- there are a number of additional, fantastic <laughs> 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 <side, laughs> optional side characters, some of whom are pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, there's another agility focused character like Sienna, okay. uh, uh, and also the other thing is Sienna, by the way, is like, I mean, I mean Paul, I'm going to come back to the Sienna thing as an example of something in a second. First mm. of all, two of the late game characters that you get are like tanks. And you don't get them until, like, hour 30, right? And one of them is, like, the final five hours of the game you you get. Huh. Um, and, bro, like, I've been playing this game for 30 hours without a tank. There's nothing <laughs> you're going to send at me that I don't have a heal, you know, tactic. Excuse mm-hmm. me. I don't have, like, a rotation for already, right? Right. Um, and, like, they kind of lean on it a little bit to be like, okay, now we can throw a little bit more at you more at once. So Maybe you can have a character in there who's supposed to, like take hate and and be your your damage tank, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. they never really make you do it, which is good, because if I have to play 30 hours with a team that then I have to throw out because I have to put a tank in, that would not have been a fun experience either mm. um, uh, and I guess you could kind of build Glenn to be a tank, but kind of not, not as well as these other characters um, and it's just like, that doesn't, it doesn't feel good to get a character with 5 hours left in the game or 10 hours left in a 50 hour game and then be like, oh, this character's cool, but like I don't have space on the roster. Like you're gonna you're gonna sit on the bench, except for I'm gonna like try your abilities out to see what their animations are. That right. never feels good to me in a JRPG. I wish there had been a little bit more of a reason to use those new characters. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd been given to you in act two instead of act three um that was kind of a disappointment because the characters who i think are cool like especially the final two characters i'm looking at my list of characters now the final two characters that i got <laughs> are characters i was like desperate to try to work into my, my party rotation mm-hmm, but it's like they're just not as good um and this the, this happens in another way with every character which is you eventually get enough grimoire shards to just get every ability and right. by mid-game you know there are some bottom like late game unlockable abilities that are really 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 good right uh, and so like you know, you could and you can see these all right away. This is not spoilers. Like Glenn gets a de- a, a move that is like a super debuff for one enemy, right? Uh, right, uh, and that's fantastic, right? Like I would it slotted right in right away. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. not, ta- mm-hmm. I will not take it out. But that actually meant that for the for the back fifteen to twenty hours, I was like unlocking new abilities and not you new skills. Didn't and want. I didn't yeah. want – like. I I okay. I have all of the stat boosts up. I have the five passive skills I want in and I have my set of main, whatever, six real, you know, active battle skills in, I guess I I'll take the level up because it has the sort of, um, as you do unlock new ones, you get main stat boosts also. It's like every yes. five levels yeah. or whatever you, you basically are leveling up. Uh, but, You know, it's not fun. Again, this is the other side of the Call of Duty pick 10 system or whatever that's called. (laughs) We're like, I already got the gun I want and the attachments I want. Uh I already got uh this level doesn't mean anything to me. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, But thankfully, the game's story pacing is so good that that kept me going, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point like one of the things i love about this game is how it does like keep everything very focused on progress on on doing something and getting a reward for it versus doing anything just to get a number that will increase it it's like you want more from this game you need to play this game intentionally in a way it wants you to go chase specific goals it wants you to go poison a slorse which was one of the funniest things i went back to go do because i was so high level and so my characters just sat there watching a slorse die from poison
1: attack there was something Uh, i missed in like something very 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 early on where it was like um i wasn't survive for five rounds but it might have been like um, beat beat these things with without. A, oh, you know what it was? It was the blue mage who has to oh, okay. who has to uh, use a special ability on an enemy that has low health to get. Mm-hmm the to get a spell from them but you know it's to a blue man it to it can literally
0: it. puts it in the can and eats <laughs> and it eats to get it. the monster ability it's really messed up <laughs> like popeye
1: like popeye yeah it and then it plays the little jingle that plays the like, <laughs> the, the victory jingle but like messed up Popeye, the rpg character 100% <laughs> uh, but i i couldn't get them low enough without killing them with my main crew i like i had to unequip all of my equipment and put in mm-hmm. my b team and even then I was getting counters by mistake that was killing the enemies before he could can them. Um, But so, like that's It was funny. It's not bad. But like, I think case in point for this is Sienna who by the middle of the game, I had like, Sienna is cracked. Like Sienna is Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, OP by mm -hmm. like, you're about to get to the point where you can get an agility boost on her and an ability called dragon Fang, which is one to five physical damage that uh, when it's leveled up all the way is is 1.2 damage per hit and the amount of those hits scales by agility so that was meaning that and it's like it's 30 tp it's like nothing right it's like a regular spell so by the end of the game she's doing five 1.2 damage hits every round Uh, and it doesn't interact with with pedal storm at all right so you're like it becomes a different bread and butter build for her, right? You're not chasing mm-hmm. pedal storm. Sometimes I would you know I would keep in her um bleed attack and I would X slash and right. I would keep in Yokugiri, mm-hmm. the AoE, and I'd still use those. And if it procced pedal storm, I'd use Pedal Storm. But Dragon mm-hmm. Fang was just so strong. And that was the case from our you know, 30, something like that. And I still had another, you know, I have 57 hours in this game, right? So like <laughs> nothing else mattered for her. And I, and mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. ever take her out the out the roster. Like she was always a frontliner for me because she was so good. But it's kind of boring to not get that joy of getting a new ability that you actually want to try out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So and th- I think that they fixed that a little bit with the class system, which we didn't mention at all. Um, there are classes in this yeah. game. Yeah, uh, you can
0: do additional challenges to unlock kind of like a set class that you can have that will add additional abilities if you want them to your character, as well as some passives and yes. stuff, um, which is kind of how they give you a healer early on, which yes. is an interesting choice. They're like, Hey, your healer is not whoever, you know, one of these characters, your healer is whoever, whoever is holding the cleric is yeah. the healer. And so I ended up trading that around a lot to be like, okay, victor will be my healer right because he's <laughs> he's the healer he's right. the he's, he's support the support guy part. anyway yeah. and then i put it on glenn because i was like oh, oh. actually i kind of want to be procking my auras and i don't want to be spending a turn just healing every time so maybe i put it on glenn who i'm not using too often right. and then i went to somebody else and it just bounced around everywhere i think i think it's still on glenn right now but that's probably going to move mm-hmm building. I'm building in my head. Um, No, I get it. I get it. It's a cool system that I do think at least encourages this idea of how does your interpretation of this character vary as the game goes on? How do you see this character fitting into your party? Because that does change as the game goes. Certain characters definitely shift what their value and their role is as you start to build that party out and get more abilities for them.
1: Definitely. 100%. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, the thing, so I know you don't like Sky Armor because the the system stuff. But I want to just have you gotten to the point where you're flying around the zone yet? <laughs> yes, okay. I did the the
0: side quest where I took out the missile sites so I could fly around the island resort place. Yes, uh, which was really fun and and really endearing.
1: So the thing to know is you can go fly in any of the previous zones. You can go back to mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. field, and coupled with the Base, have you got you've gotten to the base right
0: yeah yeah okay. I have my uh, Swekend castle you're, you get the Sweend
1: castle you start to get NPCs that give you bonuses one mm-hmm. of those NPCs is a map maker who will tell you if you've gotten all the collectibles on a given screen mm. uh, I believe it's the map maker who does that and there'll be a little number in the bottom left of of bottom left or bottom right of every screen that you're on telling you, Hey, did you get all the chests here? Did you find the little, um, the little arrow? You know, little arrow uh, oh, hidden treasure chest mm, thing. Mm-hmm, uh, hey, did mm-hmm. you find all the walls you can break through on like the cliff face walls? You I haven't found through? like any of those. No. Since well, they you, tutorialized you will. It. You will. Once you unlock the sky, and now that you have the sky armor, because you'll go onto a new screen, a new like field, and it'll be like, oh, you haven't d- gotten all of these yet. Mm -hmm, And what mm -hmm. you'll do is you'll pop up into flight mode where you don't go into any battles and you'll just start zooming around the whole stage, looking for chests you didn't open, looking for the Mm. little icons on the ground for the hidden buried treasure, looking for the walls that you can break. And a lot of those are placed in really interesting ways that require you to do harder fights than normal, drop out of your armor and onto ground fights, and then get to a place where you can get back in your armor. Because you can't get into it when you're in tall grass, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, And it turns out that a lot of these stages that you thought you completed actually have this whole other layer to them of secrets and unlockables and hidden treasure and stuff. And it gives me – it scratched my brain so well. Um, it reminded me of the Resident Evil 2 remake where you get that great map. I don't know if you played that or not.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: You get that map that tells you when you've completed a room. You've completed. Mm, you found everything mm-hmm. in this room. You can kind of like close that tab in your brain. You're mm-hmm. done with this room. And getting that for our JRPG like screens is so rewarding. The thing of being like I got the last hidden chest here. There's one place. There's one chest on one of the first screens in the game that is like golden and sitting off on like a pedestal in the middle of the of the i know exactly which one and you're like how the (laughs) hell do i get to that you know i finally got to it uh in the late game and it was like it truly felt like closing 50 tabs at once in my brain and be like oh i'm free (laughs) like scratching an itch deep on my back uh that feeling is just great so yeah yeah i do
0: for for my holdups with the actual battle stuff i think the traversal stuff with the mechs ends up being really fun and really engaging. Um, There is so much about this game that just seems to constantly expand outward, but then like have a very set reason for it and a lot of just quality of life stuff that yeah, um, I love in, in a lot of different ways. And so that might be a way to segue into my last bullet point here, which is we are kind of in a wave, I would say, of retro loving rpgs we have the hd 2ds we have the live alive remake we have uh uh, this this is a little before now but like tokyo rpg factory was definitely feeding into this octopath feeds into this um all the remakes and remasters we're having there are a lot of people looking to kind of a certain area of rpg of snes to playstation but 2d still not the the low poly 3d that would get introduced with 7 uh, that we're, we're just kind of going back to. And Chained Echoes does feel like it's going back to that. But I was trying to place where I felt that Chained Echoes, you know, fit in with this wave. And it does feel like it's the one that does something a little bit different, that stands out a little bit. And maybe that is by virtue of I have a Steam Deck and it plays
1: really well it on Steam Deck. It plays really well on Steam Deck. Um, yeah.
0: But it's, it's all the stuff we've talked about already of... It it does a lot of cool stuff, introduces a lot of modern quality of life ideas into the RPG genre and just moves at a pace that feels like it was informed by the RPGs that came before it, but also said, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to pace this a little bit differently. I'm going to have story beats roll out, maybe because of the mechanical systems, have it roll out as this sort of thing that compels you along so you're not just driven by numbers go up.
1: If I, you know, if Octopath had the pacing that this did, oh my I God. would have forgiven that the stories uh-huh. never really come together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I mean in a lot of ways this scratches the itch that I wanted Octopath to scratch mm-hmm. a few years ago. And I'm hopeful Octopath 2 will maybe be more like that um but i think that if you're making one of those games there's a lot to there's a lot to like here uh in mm-hmm. terms of i know we keep saying the word pacing and i, I want to emphasize that i mean that in like three different ways and i suspect mm-hmm. you do too which is like story pacing you're always getting some new big lore moment some big spectacular event has happened a new enemy your boss has shown up that's cool some cutscene has happened that like blows your mind because it Shows you something in a way you didn't know that the game there's like cinematic language in this game I didn't know it had and that it keeps Mm, it will mm -hmm, continue mm -hmm. to do that it will continue to be like oh here is like a wild like high resolution cut to you know a visual that you didn't that isn't being rendered in the traditional style it's being rendered in a different mm. way you know what I mean the
0: act one is I know it's
1: just so good and it keeps (laughs) doing that it will continue to do that it will continue to, to blow you away in that way which is wild because like I'm not. I'm not like the cutscene fiend. Like I kind of mm-hmm. I like JRPGs a lot, and they're obviously very, very cutscene heavy. Um, but I am syst- I'm the systems boy. Like I'm the person who like
0: mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm.
1: quote an ancient you know idle thumbs holy text. I love it when a grenade rolls down a hill, right? Like <laughs> this is this is I am the Far Cry uh-huh. Two man, uh-huh. um, and I like that stuff in my RPGs a lot. It's why I like you know the Bethesda style, because you can kind of get close to some of that systemic interaction mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and I really have, have been, um, I have a lot of friction with the contemporary like prestige game, the sort of like Sony Santa mm. Monica style, like mm. that, that mm-hmm. style of, of, of game. Um, and, and that has actually pushed me away from the, even the JRPG a little bit, because I, mm-hmm. I can find some stuff overwrought, or I can find some stuff that's like, okay, let me get back to the game. Mm -hmm. None of that. Mm -hmm. I felt none of that here. I was like constantly, you know, dudes pointing at screen like, yo. Uh, (laughs) And I think a big part of it is that the presentation is so sharp that the pacing exists not just in that story zone, but also in the free movement around the world where you're you're really taking things at your own pace Mm -hmm. and in the battles themselves where for most of the game, I felt engaged at in every battle, they never lasted too long. They were never mm-hmm, so short mm-hmm, that I was mm-hmm, disengaged. Mm-hmm. Um, or not never, but, you know, it took a while for, for any battles to be so nothing that I wasn't engaged. Uh, and, and you know, I, I have a handful of bad things to say about the game, but most by an overflowing amount of good things. Really great surprise at the end of the year, you know? Yeah,
0: it's it's a game where even the little details feel very good uh the one thing that i was i was trying to think back through all my time in the game and, and what i remember the most from it and one of them is when you tag somebody out in a battle they do the little snap
1: yes a like little
0: clap and i don't know why but that just like tickles a good part of my brain because it's like a very it's an audio cue in a way that i think RPGs can do very well. Yeah. And and something that I think Persona 5, for example, understood when they did the kind of tag out and they'd slap each other's, mm-hmm. give each other five and, and and tag in and out. But it's so quick and it's so fast. Like you said, the battles move. The battles are interesting without being just, oh, I'm hitting, well, for the most part, I, I'm not hitting a a damaged sponge. Uh <laughs> right. and uh oh god, the boss battles. Some of the boss battles, I think, especially early on, they really Are like our bosses are not just going to be big HP, but they're going to have mechanics. They're going to do things. They're going to shift the the world in ways where you have to start thinking about how you're going to apply the mechanics that you've been using to this stuff. There's an early boss who I won't say too much about, but they have minions that summon, and when you kill one, it gives you a benefit. When you kill another, it does damage to you. Yeah. So now you're having to think about okay, when am I going to Pop this problem and take care of it mm-hmm. in a way that I can manage. And it's just constantly asking you to think about, like, don't just hit buttons. I love that attack is the worst thing you can do in this game. Hundred, like, attacking I ever is the worst attack. thing you can do. In the yeah, game. yeah. If yeah. you're
1: attacking, you have messed up. Something has gone exactly. wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're like, we know you want to use skills. We know you want to do the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you play this game well, you will always be doing cool stuff. Yeah. And if you do the boring thing, like you said, it's because you messed up. You did the wrong thing. You need to
1: like reconfigure a little bit. Um, I will say playing this to, to come back to your original point of, of the kind of wave of golden age nostalgia. I kind of do want to go back and I, I didn't touch any of those um, final fantasy re-releases that came out, out of the pixel last remasters. Yeah. The pixel yeah. remaster, which I know are not perfect, you know, Um, But I have not played some of those games in 20 or 25 years, you know? Um, I think I have not played Final Fantasy VI since I was a teenager, probably, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? Um, And so uh, playing this was like, oh, right. I grew up loving this style of game. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. uh, I should go back and and reacquaint myself with some old friends, you know?
0: That's been the weird thing for me is I grew up... Sorry, my fire alarm fire just alarm pipped has at me. decided to be part of the yeah. podcast. Oh, good. Um, uh, I grew up not playing those. I mm. didn't get introduced to RPGs until later. Uh-huh. And so uh, this has made me sit here and think, you know, maybe I should play Final Fantasy five. That would yeah. be like a real sicko yeah. no thing for me to do. <laughs> um, you know, you should. So you've I never you've never played five. I haven't played any Final safe Fantasy place. before seven.
1: You have played any Final Fantasies before seven. Yeah. 2023, time for new things.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Pixel Remasters, they're right there on my Steam Deck, potentially. Potentially. Um, this
1: is the other thing. Like you said this before, we said this at the very beginning of this conversation. I cannot under understate how important the Steam Deck was to my Chained Echoes experience. Yes. Hanging out with friends in a cabin on vacation, playing Chained Echoes, you know, was top tier fun way to enjoy that game felt as close as i could to feeling like i was on a couch playing an snes jrpg with a friend mm-hmm. like it was right it perfect just like immaculate vibes mm-hmm. um, what, what
0: golf story was to the switch yeah i think chained echoes is to the steam deck great comparison 100 percent. on that note we're gonna wrap it here no listen uh,
1: in, oh, i don't oh. know if you reference chat ever in these in this, oh, we do, we do. We Vic shout Moss, out our stars of destiny. Uh, uh yeah. says, think of all the references in 14. You'll get if you haven't played these uh-huh, games, uh-huh. half of 14 is just empty, more empty, you know, signifier for you.
0: But, <laughs> like, but that's that's fun for me because I'm like, oh man, look at this Golbez guy, he's kind of goofy <laughs> looking, he's fun, and then everyone is like, oh, it's just Final Fantasy 4. And I'm like, sure, I don't know, it's fun to be stupid and learn new things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it is fun to be stupid and learn new things. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh yeah we're talking about steam deck but i will say i bet it plays great on switch i haven't i haven't maybe it doesn't maybe it's a disaster on switch but i haven't heard that from anybody and i bet we would yeah. have if it didn't run well so yeah
0: i bet you yeah that swole led screen would probably Ooh, look real good for some yeah. of those scenes mm, mm. You Not wrong. on that note thank you so much for
1: hopping on the pod today austin Happy chatting to about Chain echoes yeah yeah anything you want to plug before you bounce um again i think the thing that makes most sense to plug is friends at the table uh we are a mm-hmm. tabletop rpg uh, actual play podcast that's been running for a long time now um we we have a bunch of eric is yelling at the <laughs> at the uh, fire fire not a fire alarm fire uh, smoke detector that's what they're called i'm gonna take those
0: pips out so it's just gonna be very funny to hear people hear about the smoke alarm but yes
1: uh-huh um, the, you should leave the first one in, at least, so people know <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, uh, so yeah, Friends of the Table, we are just about to start uh, a season called Palisade, which is going to be factions and fantasy mechs galore. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a follow-up to a season called Partisan, which I think is a great place to start listening to Friends of the Table. I know we have a big backlog, but Partisan, P-A-R-T-I-Z-A-N, uh, was a really great jumping on point. If you're not a, a, a mech person, um, then my suspicion is you might like instead Sang Fiel, S-A-N-G-F-I-E-L-L-E, mm. which is a, um, a sort of uh, horror-tinged uh, Western adventure vibe uh, show uh, season using Heart the City Beneath, which is a fantastic game that we had a lot of fun with. Oh, um, yeah. And that's yep. a totally standalone season. Um, that is in its own unique universe. There is no connection to past material. You can hop on Sanfiel01 and and listen from there, and that's always a good thing to be able to tell somebody. No previous listening required. So yeah, that's Friends at the Table.
0: Fantastic. Austin, thank you so much for coming on. Folks, uh, I'm just going to treat this as the outro to the Blood God show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for for hanging out. Next week, we will be back with a normal Podcast, I promise. But for Austin, for myself, for Kat and Nadia who could not be here, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Acts of the Blood God. <laughs> of course it! Did it. <laughs>